Good afternoon. I would like to welcome everybody to, Re to Repay's first quarter 2023 earnings conference call. This call is being recorded today, May 10th, 2023. I would like to turn the session over to Stuart Grisante, Head of Investor Relations at Repay. Stuart, you may begin. Thank you. Good afternoon and welcome to our first quarter 2023 earnings conference call. With us today are John Morris, co-founder and chief executive officer, and Tim Murphy, Chief Financial Officer. During this call, we will be making forward-looking statements about our beliefs and estimates regarding future events and results. These forward-looking statements are subject to risk and uncertainty, including those set forth in the SEC filings related to today's results and in our most recent Form 10-K and 10-Q filed with the SEC. Actual results may differ materially from any forward-looking statements that we make today. Forward-looking statements speak only as of today, and we do not assume any obligation or intent to update them except as required by law. In an effort to provide additional information to investors, today's discussion will also include references to certain non-GAAP financial measures. Reconciliations and other explanations of those non-GAAP financial measures can be found in today's press release and in the earnings supplement, each of which are available on the company's IR site. Those materials include reconciliations and other explanations with respect to repays organic growth. As described in our materials, Q1 2023 organic growth is calculated by excluding incremental contributions attributable to Blue Cow software business in Q1 2022. Since repay divested Blue Cow during Q1 2023. With that, I now would like to turn the call over to John. Thank you, Stuart, and good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for joining us today to review our first quarter results, which provided a strong start to the year. On an organic basis in Q1, we reported revenue growth of 12% and gross profit growth of 13%. We believe these results highlight the benefit of our resilient and diversified business model. Organic growth was largely driven by strong performance in our consumer payment segment. and We remain excited about the opportunities across both the business payments and consumer payment segments. We also now have 248 software integration partners across Repay, enabling our go-to-market to develop robust sales pipelines across our verticals. From a business perspective, during the quarter, we continue to make progress streamlining and optimizing our organization, while also investing in growth. As we discussed on our Q4 call, we have segmented our results, as well as our organization, into consumer payments and business payments. And on February 15th, we completed the divestiture of BlueCal. This has enabled us to place a greater focus on the needs and results of each business line. Our consumer payment segment experienced 17% organic gross profit growth year over year, mainly driven by recent large client implementations, the ongoing secular tailwinds within the payments industry, as well as the demand for our products, along with our focus on go-to-market and product expansions. During the quarter, we added four new software partners in consumer payments, bringing our total software integrations to 154. We are also focusing on expanding our relationships with these partners by enhancing our existing integrations with new product features and payment modalities, as well as increasing our sales efforts. Our internal sales efforts continue to focus on large enterprise clients, and we are winning. In Q4, we signed a large private captive auto lender, and during Q1, we signed another large captive auto lender, which is the internal finance arm for one of the largest automakers in the United States. Repay will be providing a full suite of debit card and ACH payment processing 
for new and used vehicle payments across the captive auto clients enterprise. We continue to believe that the automotive market is a great opportunity for future growth. Credit unions also remain a focus of ours. We signed 11 new credit union clients this quarter, bringing our total credit union customers to over 250. We continue to enhance and upgrade our integrations with partners such as Meridian Link and Jack Henry Scimitar in order to facilitate accelerated distribution within this key vertical. The underlying trends have not changed from last quarter. We are still seeing demand for our clients' products, and our clients are looking to us for more ways to engage and interact with the borrower from a payment perspective. Mortgage servicing space continues to be a growth opportunity for the consumer payment segment. Digital solutions help mortgage servicers keep their costs of servicing down. From acceptance methods to customized messaging tools to automated servicing transfers, it's easy to enable better borrower experiences with repay. We found from a recent internal consumer perception study conducted by Visa, more than half of consumers are interested in using a debit card to pay their mortgage bill. In addition, our conversations with existing and prospective clients indicate strong demand for additional payment modalities within the mortgage vertical. Our partnership with Black Knight to offer a truly differentiated capability continues to progress. And we are teaming with Visa to align our growth towards the new payment flows of the future. On the product side, we're excited to announce that we are adding PayPal and Venmo US digital wallet services to our suite of payment solutions making them available to clients across Repay's verticals. With the addition of these digital wallet capabilities, Repay's clients will have the ability to accept payments using funds from customers' PayPal and Venmo accounts, enabling secure and convenient payments and eliminating long payment forms. This additional offering is designed to help clients boost their overall revenue, as companies have found supporting preferred payment methods makes customers likely to make more payments on time. Our instant funding product, which we process real-time through Visa Direct and MasterCard Send, continues to perform strongly. In the first quarter, transaction volumes were up approximately 45% year over year. And lastly, our modern RCS platform continues to take share and received a positive reception at the most recent Electronic Transactions Association conference. We recently announced that MyCamp Solutions has selected Repay as its back-end clearing and settlement processor. We were selected due to Repay's ability to deliver customizable and comprehensive solutions while also providing an ever-increasing imported operating model with banking and transaction processing redundancies. Moving on to our business payment segment, during the first quarter, business payments gross profit grew single digits year over year. Our net new growth was impacted from lapping political media spending, implementation timeline delays, and a large client being acquired. Exiting the quarter in March, we saw positive momentum. Additionally, our sales pipelines remain as robust as ever. Our integrations with dealer management systems and hospitality management systems are leading to shorter sales cycles with larger clients. During the first quarter, we went live with previously announced LifeBridge Health in the Baltimore area and signed several large hospital systems within the healthcare vertical. In the property management vertical, we are adding hotel properties, driven by our recent integrations to HelloGM and HIA. And in the municipality vertical, we recently onboarded a large county in the Northeast with a multi-billion dollar annual budget. During the quarter, we continue to increase our internal sales and account service teams to further penetrate this massive business payment market. We added four integrated software partners during the quarter and are now integrated with 94 in total. One of our new technology integrations was with Optima, a software and services firm specializing in providing IT consulting and digital transformation solutions. 
The integration will enable Optimus customers to further streamline accounts payable processes and securely pay vendors and suppliers directly through Optimus Intelligent Accounts Payable Automation Solution. We're adding a technology integration with Microsoft Dynamics 365 Business Central, enabling Dynamics customers to send and automate accounts payable AP payments through the Repay platform. This integration aims to streamline operations, improve relationships with vendors and suppliers, and support the evolution of businesses moving towards overall digitization. Additionally, we continue to build our vendor enablement functionality, now reaching over 174,000 suppliers in our AP supplier network. And we're consistently looking for ways to find processing cost synergies in the business. In March, we began realizing the cost savings from a strategic initiative to consolidate processing of business payments AP volumes. So as you can see, a busy and productive quarter for the team across consumer payments and business payments. We remain focused on executing on our strategy as we see an incredible amount of organic growth opportunities, while also continuing to monitor the M&A landscape and related valuations. Repay is currently well positioned with a strong balance sheet, growing profitability to accelerate cash generation while maintaining the potential for strategic M&A. To wrap up, before turning the call over to Tim, I am proud of our progress we have made so far this year. Our sales pipelines are strong and growing. We have new products rolling out as we speak that we believe will drive new and existing client adoption. We'll also have one of the best teams in the industry that believes in our mission and is excited about the road ahead. With that, I'll turn the call over to Tim to provide more color on our results and updated thoughts about the remainder of the year. Tim? Thank you, John. Now let's go over our Q1 financial results before our review of financial guidance for 2023. In the first quarter, Repay delivered solid results across our key metrics. Card payment volume was $6.6 billion, which was impacted by tax refunds being down approximately 10% this year. Revenue was $74.5 million, an increase of 12% on an organic basis over the prior year first quarter. This represents a take rate of approximately 113 basis points. Take rates were higher primarily due to lower average tax refund amounts in 2023 versus prior years, resulting in lower repayment volumes and typically experienced during tax refund season. In addition, we had strong performance in several of our non-card volume-based businesses within consumer payments, specifically in communication solutions and instant funding. Incremental revenue attributable to Blue Cow in Q1 2022 was approximately $0.9 million. First profit was $56.6 million, an increase of 13% on an organic basis. This organic gross profit growth removes approximately $850,000 of incremental gross profit attributable to Blue Cow in Q1 2022. Our consumer payments segment reported organic gross profit growth of 17% in Q1. As John mentioned, we saw continued strong growth from existing clients and recent large client implementations. Our business payments gross profit increased 2% year over year. Business payments net new growth was offset from lapping political media spending during the 22 election cycle, delays in implementations on the client side, and lower volumes from a large client who started consolidating payment providers after being acquired. Exiting the quarter, business payments gross profit growth when excluding media accelerated, demonstrating the ramp in our sales pipeline while realizing the benefits from our processing cost optimization and automation initiatives. First quarter adjusted net income was $19.2 million, or $0.20 cents per share. Lastly, first quarter adjusted EBITDA was $31.2 million. First quarter adjusted EBITDA's percentage of revenue was 42%. Adjusted EBITDA margins came in lower than expected during the first quarter due to this year's tax refund seasonality, resulting in higher revenue take rates, along with continued investments towards sales, product, and technology. 
For the 15th consecutive quarter as a public company, on an organic basis, Repay has surpassed the rule of 40. We continue to believe that the combination of double-digit organic gross profit growth, along with best-in-class adjusted EBITDA margins, makes us unique compared to our peers. Our net leverage is now approximately 2.8 times on a pro forma basis. We expect our net leverage to naturally decline during the year from our strong profitability and cash flow generation, excluding any potential M&A. As of March 31st, we had approximately 92 million of cash in the balance sheet with access to 185 million of underground revolver capacity for a total pro forma liquidity amount of 277 million. Repay's debt of 440 million is convertible with a 0% coupon and does not mature until February 2026. Moving on to our outlook for 2023. While year-to-date results remain resilient, based on the current macroeconomic uncertainty, we are reaffirming our 2023 outlook. We expect volume to be between 26 billion and 27.2 billion, revenue to be between 272 million and 288 million, gross profit to be between 216 million and 228 million, and adjusted EBITDA to be between 122 million and 130 million. As we talked about on our Q4 call, the growth implied by our 2023 outlook assumes a mild to moderate recession. As we previously mentioned, organic growth is expected to be slightly higher in the first half of 2023 due to the tough comps in the second half of the year, while we maintain the normal cadence of quarterly contributions. As a reminder, we will be lapping strong results in our business payment segment due to the political media cycle in 2022. For additional details on 2023 organic gross profit growth, Please refer to the 2023 Outlook Bridge on page 12 of our earnings supplement posted to the company's IR site. We continue to expect adjusted free cash flow conversion to remain strong in 2023, accelerating throughout the year into 2024 as we realize the benefits from investments we made in sales, product, and technology over the past several years. We're off to a strong start in 2023 and look forward to continuing this momentum throughout the remainder of the year. I'll now turn the call back over to the operator to take your questions. Operator? Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, if you would like to ask a question, please press star 1 on your telephone keypad, and a confirmation tone will indicate your line is in the question queue. You may press star 2 if you would like to remove your question from the queue. For participants using speaker equipment, it may be necessary to pick up your handset before pressing the star keys. One moment, please, while we pull for questions. And our first question comes from the line of Ramsey Ellisal with Barclays. Please proceed. Hi guys, uh, thanks for taking my question and uh, congratulations on a solid quarter. Your take rates in consumer were up, uh, particularly in consumer, were up really nicely. Can you comment a little bit on some of the levers or the drivers there in terms of uh, how you achieve that? Absolutely. Thanks, Ramsey. Um, so we agree it was a strong quarter for consumer take rates. Um, there was a couple factors there. Some of it was due to tax refund season being a little different this year than in prior years. So overall average refund sizes were down. And when that happens, we have a certain pricing model called convenience fees where it would be a higher take rate based on lower average refund amounts. And so that was actually the opposite that occurred last year in Q1. So we experienced the the difference this year. And then also there's some non-card volume-based products like communication solutions and instant funding that just performed really nicely in the quarter and those increase the take rates primarily in consumer as well. So those are a few drivers. Great. 
Um, a follow-up for me is on the business segment uh, gross profit, which, as you mentioned, was impacted by a couple of factors. Um, I, I guess, um, you know, you know, first, I guess, uh, how should we think? Well, how should we think about those factors impacting Q2? In other words, are you going to see uh, has that large client rolloff uh, completed? Or are you going to see some of that implementation kind of catch up next quarter? How should we think about that? Uh, those factors kind of impacting uh, the segment as we go forward here. Yeah, so we, as we mentioned, we saw faster growth exiting the quarter in March, and so I think some of the implementation delays have caught up. Um, you know, the new client ro roll-off will continue into the quarter, uh, but should be completed in Q2. Um, and then we have, you know, we have some new wins as well that will be ramping. And so I think, you know, the combination of those led to higher growth in, in March, and then we expect that to continue into Q2. So there were some specific factors to Q1. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Our next question comes from the line of Peter Heckman with DA Davidson. Please proceed. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Thanks for taking the question. Uh, congrats on winning another uh, OEM captive lender. Uh, can you talk a little bit about it? So if I heard correctly, the, the, the win this quarter was uh, the captive lender OEM. Last quarter was a private lender uh, on the personal side. Um, could, could you potentially talk a little bit about uh, the sizing of those, potentially on the auto OEM uh, relative to your other OEM customers, Mercedes? So, yes, yeah, so, thanks, Pete. So, so actually, so Mercedes was the OEM that we won a few years ago. Uh, last quarter in Q4, we announced a, a private auto captive. So it's not technically an OEM, but it's a large privately held captive auto finance company. And then in Q1, we announced another large, what I would consider an OEM to be more comparable to Mercedes. So very large, you know, household brand. And um, we're not expecting a large contribution for the remainder of 23, but we do expect a meaningful contribution to growth in 24 as the business ramps throughout this year and will be fully ramped next year. And so it's, it's, it will be meaningful for us in future years. Okay, that, that, that's great to hear. And then just any additional comments that you can provide on, in terms of how you're talking to your, uh, your customers on the lending side uh, both personal and auto, like what, what type of changes they might be making in terms of their appetite or, or pricing that, that, that may or may not be impact originations? Yeah, very similar trends as we, as we mentioned last quarter and as we've heard from some of the lenders that are reported already this quarter and some of our conversations with, you know, private lenders, they're still focused on managing their credit performance. They're, they're still, you know, they're cautiously optimistic on loosening tighten, loosening underwriting standards was still pretty tight, so not opening up originations. But again, we, we, we've said this before, that there's a lot of demand for this type of credit. And so the demand being there is one of the more critical points for us. And as lenders get more visibility and feel a little bit more comfort, we think they'll open up to originations and, and to fund that demand. So not not really different from last quarter and, and um and you know we have a, we had a large win in the in the personal loan space that we talked about last quarter that ramped up in Q1 and that's been really positive as well. That's great. That's great. Just one housekeeping item for the second quarter for Blue Cow would that be about two and a half million dollars in revenue in the prior year period? Yes, roughly two and a half that we'd have to have to pull out of Q2 of 22. That's right. All right. Thank you. 
Our next question comes from the line of Andrew Schmidt with City. Please proceed. Hey, John. Hey, Tim. Uh, good evening. Thanks for taking my questions. Um, I wanted to just drill down for a second on the business payment segment. Um, the large, the uh, the client roll-off, maybe you could just talk a little bit more about the situation there and um, whether you think that was relatively unique and, and kind of a one-off or, you know, is, is it possible that other clients could follow suit? Just a little more color around that situation would be helpful. Thanks a lot, guys. Hi, Andrew. It's John. We think it's unique. It's Obviously, it's an, a, an account that got acquired, um, so kind of out of our control. Um, and so we really think that's unique. Uh, and then we obviously you know, feel great about the pipeline of, of what we have and the opportunities on the business side of it. That's as, as wide open a space as I've seen in payments. Uh, so th those are all true for all the reasons we want to be in those, that space and all the reasons we want to invest in that space. Uh, and then obviously we mentioned a couple of things on our implementation pipeline slipping on us, but we did. Uh, we did see some of that activity pick up in, in uh, April, so we feel good about you know, executing on the remainder of our year in that, on our implementation pipeline. Got it. Thank you very much, John. And, and then uh, just on the consumer payments um, segment, pretty pretty strong growth there. Um, and, you know, I understand you're still baking in a mild to moderate recession. Just to be clear, um, you know, have you seen any signs of that yet? And um, what's the current assumption in terms of the, you know, the uh, how you're expecting the uh, the growth rate to progress throughout the year, just with the understanding that, you know, maybe there is more uh, macro moderation to come. Uh, any help on those fronts would be helpful. Thanks a lot. Yeah, absolutely. We were very pleased with the consumer payments growth in the quarter. Um, really strong. And, you know, we have seen strength continue into early Q2, but, you know, we, we do want to stick with the planning assumption of a mild to moderate recession. You know, we are seeing, you know, I think we talked about this before, we, in some of our end markets, like auto, for example, has probably already been in that type of macro environment for a few quarters. And so that's why we, we think it's prudent to just remain conservative. That being said, we do think that, you know, growth, there could still be nice growth in consumer next quarter. Um, but, you know, the back half of this year is the year is where you may see that that uh, macro come into play, and so we're just maintaining conservatism around that. Understood. Thank you very much, Tim. Thank you both for the comments. Our next question comes from the line of Sanjay Sakharani with KBW. Please proceed. Hi, this is actually uh, Stephen Clock filling in for Sanjay. Thanks for taking my questions. I, I guess just First question I have was just follow up around the last question in terms of the assumptions around a tougher environment. If conditions were to remain the same as current, how much of a differential would there be between your current outlook and where it could potentially be? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we, um, you know, we're monitoring it closely. You know, I think we, if, if things do continue to stay as they are and don't deteriorate, I think we could become incrementally more positive on the outlook for the year and would would, would update folks as we report each quarter. And, you know, I think like, like we've said in the past that a, a mild or moderate recession is probably, you know, high single digits, low double digits, and mild is more like low, low to mid-teens. So, you know, we could see potentially us moving somewhere in the middle of that range if 
we became incrementally positive just with more visibility into the macro. Got it. Got it. And then the follow-up I had was just around the, the take rate, just kind of dive a little bit deeper. Because if we take a look at your four-year guidance, it works out about 105 basis points versus 113. That was in the first quarter. Like, what are the puts and takes that gets us to that 105 range? Yeah, that's a good question. So, you know, it, it will come down, and a lot of it is due to the seasonality related to tax refunds. There was some dynamics I just described that caused the take rate to be higher. Um, also, we just ramped a very large enterprise customer in Q1 that, like we talked about when we provided the guidance originally, just naturally enterprise customers could be at a lower take rate. So as that becomes a bigger contributor, it could bring the take rate down. And then there's, you know, there's the potential for, you know, B2B to has become a bigger part of the mix and that take rate slightly lower. So those are some of the items we would look at that basically bridges from the 113 to the full year 105 or 106. Got it. Got it. Thanks for taking my questions. Our next question comes from the line of Andrew Jeffrey with Truist Securities. Please proceed. Hey, guys. Um, appreciate you taking the question. Um, and great to see the enterprise momentum. Um, John, can you just comment on whether or not, as you go after some of these bigger customers, sales cycles are extending. I mean, it sounds like you have a good ramp with this with this big captive in auto next year. But just generally, does the business get lumpier in your estimation? Is that something we need, we need to think about? Or is this all upside? Hi, Andrew. Yeah, it should be upside. Um, as you, you know, we just had a large win that implemented the first quarter of this year. We would hope um, just because of implementation cycles with large enterprises, it takes time to win them and implement them. So that sh that'll contribute in 24, which will help off, uh, you know, offset against what's happening in 23. So I would suspect that if we continue to execute, which I expect us to, and I obviously I see our, our sales pipelines, uh, we should continue to be able to execute there. Uh, but enterprise, as we mentioned in the past, it takes time uh, for us to, to, just for those things to, to roll around if they actually are under contract. Um, but we have more at-bats. We're investing in more at-bats. We see the opportunities for that. Um, and we think that's obviously going to deliver. We see evidence of those things um, in both the consumer payments and the business payments. Okay. Helpful. Um, and then just um, on RCS, can you kind of characterize the type of business you're winning there? Is it mostly traditional ISO? I recognize it's all uh, incremental, uh, and and it seems like it's helping it's helping margin. But can you can you just talk a little bit about what that looks like and maybe how it might impact your consolidated EBITDA margin going forward? Yeah. So what it looks like, I'll talk about that part, and Tim can talk about margins. So okay, great. It is it, it's. It's unique processors that we are able to give them several capabilities that makes their ability to execute on their strategies unique. Uh, specifically, they may have their own technology, their own gateway, and we're just helping them clear and settle with all the, the money movement and the money flows. Um, and then uh, many in that world are potentially in various different types of e-commerce um, uh, verticals. The areas that we're not specifically in. Uh, so we've 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 been fortunate that we've built a, a an amazing platform um, that is we think is state of the art as as 
from a modern platform for 2023. Uh, and we're, we're getting lots of inbound interest there. We're able to, to strategically partner with the ones that we think are, are, have high value for growth and great partners. Uh, and then I'll let Tim talk about you know, as far as contribution and margins. Yeah, I'll add to that. I mean, what we what we typically see is a you know mid-sized to larger you know ISO type of customer that is working through one of the larger processors and wants more control of their own ecosystem, and they want to become more of a full-service processor. They want access to banks, and they want access to uh, the ability to run their own businesses uh, and have more control of that. And so we able, we're able to customize that and provide that to them and with redundancies. And so that's what we typically see. And then what happens is they'll come, they'll bring volume and transactions to us as, as part of a conversion, and then eventually, hopefully, we get all the business. So that also takes some time to convert. But that's kind of that's the typical type of customer and the typical type of conversion. And it is really nice margin business, and it's been performing very well. And we were just at the Electronic Transactions Association and have a really nice pipeline coming out of that. And so it's been a really nice growth driver for us. Thank you. I appreciate that. Our next question comes from the line of Bob Napoli with William Blair. Please proceed. Great. Uh, thank you. This is Adeep Chowdhury on for Bob. Um, thanks for taking our questions. Uh, you touched on it a bit in some of the earlier questions, but just directionally, could you kind of provide some comments on business trends more broadly uh, in the month of April and May so far? Thank you. Yeah, um, April in the consumer space particularly, you know, was started strong. I think some of the tax refund uh, dollars maybe fell over into April, which is not overly surprising with late filers, and so that that helps to the consumer side. Like I said, we have you know fully implemented the large personal lender, and that will benefit us for a full you know, quarter in Q2, which has been good. Um, so we've seen positive trends in the consumer side, and then in business payments, we have, you know completed implementations of some of the larger wins that we talked about that provided strength exiting the quarter and into early Q2. So we're seeing positive trends with that as well. And then there's a very strong sales and implementation pipeline and business payments that will continue to ramp throughout the quarter into next quarter. Just a reminder on two things, uh, as we talked about as well, we, we, we do have some political media we're lapping and obviously uh, Blue Cow will be out of second quarter uh, yep. numbers. Uh, and then, uh, I'll, obviously, all of you know, we've mentioned before in the past, specifically on the consumer payment side, it, uh, first quarter is our is a high seasonal quarter for us, and, and second quarter can obviously seasonally um, you know, be you know, less than the first quarter from an overall volume perspective. Um, just want to mention a couple of those things. Yeah. Uh, thanks for those comments. I appreciate that. And just as a quick follow I guess bigger picture, um, you know, Repay's made a, a bunch of acquisitions on the B2B payment side. Could you just kind of more broadly talk about some of your learnings as you've integrated these deals and, and, and kind of going back to your confidence in terms of uh, ability to deliver 20% plus growth in B2B longer term? Thanks so much. Absolutely. So if you look at um, a normalized growth, less the, the, you know, political media spend is every every even year, uh, we think that, that obviously is still there, uh, and we're, we're seeing it. We're seeing it in our the, the winds that we're looking at. We're seeing it in our pipelines. The evidence of, of what we thought is still 
absolutely true, and, and we're excited about that part of our business. Obviously, it's consumer is still a large part of our business, and you can see how it's growing fast. Uh, so it's hard to catch it from that, you know, overall total volume mix. But we we really like uh, the business, uh, the verticals we're driving down, and you heard me talk about on the call. Um, uh, and the hospitality vertical, as well as municipalities, as well as hospitals, we're still seeing lots of opportunities there. It's a it's a large addressable market um, that is still well underserved with the entire digital transformation as it's happening. And um, we we think we have one of the best in class technology solutions with our total page solution in the marketplace. Uh, we'll continue to expand on that. We'll continue to expand on the different ways people want to pay and get paid, uh, and our ability to truly execute on that by truly understanding uh, money flows and understanding our, the ability to move those funds, as well as give them the state-of-the-art financial technology to do that. Uh, we think we have a winning formula there. Appreciate the comments. Our next question comes from the line of Timothy Scioto with Credit Suisse. Please proceed. Great. Thank you for taking the question. I wanted to circle back to an announcement you guys made a few years back, and it's featured on your growth plan slide 17. I know it's a smaller part of the business, but I was hoping you could give a brief update of your partnership with Veeam in B2B cross-border and how it's helped your business, whether in winning clients or winning volumes, or just a broader update on that partnership. And then I have a quick follow-up on the cross-profit guide. Yeah, sure. So obviously, um, Veeam is a is a nice company, and we are have a really strong relationship with them. Marwan, they do a good job. Um, specifically for us, um, we we do not have significant cross border activity with a lot of our our specific large enterprise clients. Uh, they're more domestic than than international, um, and and that's why we haven't seen seen a tremendous amount of growth in the cross border side of that. Um, but it's, it is a piece of our product suite. It, is, it does allow us to be extremely competitive in the marketplace. Uh, as we, some of our large enterprise clients continue to expand, we'll see more and more opportunities of that. We obviously are seeing some of those opportunities specifically into Canada. Um, and, but, but overall, it's still not significantly meaningful, uh, from a cross, meaning cross-border is not. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you, John. And then this one is for Tim. This is a follow-up. So just on an absolute basis on the reported numbers, not, not adjusted for the, the media spend comp that's tougher in Q4, is it fair to assume that the guide right now, maybe conservatively and because of the, the macro impacts that you're embedding, the absolute growth is more in the low single digits? And then if we added in the media impact, it would imply an underlying exit rate and maybe the high single digits for this year. And again, that is in the more moderate or mild recessionary scenario. Is that a fair recap or would you correct me on anything there? Yeah, so if you look at slide 12, there's three ways to think about growth. There's the reported number, <clears throat> which is probably mid-single digits, and that's the top section of that chart on the top of that page. And then there's the organic number, which excludes blue cow, which gets us to high single digits. And then there's the normalized organic, which excludes blue cow and the political media impact, which gets us to uh, low double digits. So that's still what the guidance implies, and that's how we build up to it if you look at that, that slide, which is similar to what, when we reported guidance originally. 
completely, Tim. I, I appreciate that, and I and I, the slide is really helpful. I, I was actually talking more just specifically about Q4 and the exit rate, not the full year. Oh. My oh, apologies. Okay. Yeah. So we've it, we think that the Q4 exit rate would probably be, I would say, high single digits, um, and then normalized for or for um, political be low double digits. Then we add, for example, the large captive auto client that will be rolling out next year, which we think will be incremental to those numbers. And then we add the political contribution. Um, so that's what, that's what gets us excited about next year. And um, the, the big large captive auto win we know is incremental even to that exit rate Q4. Great. All right. That's exactly the kind of color I was hoping for. Thank you so much. Our next question comes from the line of Joseph Baffey with Canaccord. Please proceed. Hey guys, good afternoon. Uh, thanks for taking the questions. I just maybe we just start circle back to the the auto vertical. You've had some good success there, kind of consecutively over the last few quarters. I mean, it just kind of begs the question on how your solutions. I mean, I mean how penetrated. Uh, are the types of solutions that you're providing into the into the auto OEM kind of broader auto sector, and should we be thinking that there are potentially more of these in the pipeline than all the follow-up? Yeah, so we are winning. This is John. Hi, Joe. We are winning based on our technology and our product and our solutions. Our omni-channel experience, our omni-modality experience, which will continue. You heard us talk about adding uh, the digital wallets last year and continue to add um, Venmo PayPal, just the various different ways you can pay anywhere, anyway, anytime. Uh, and delivering that solution, uh, the consumer is demanding it. The end consumer expects an ease of use and, and a, and a high-quality financial experience. And we're able to deliver that technology as well as the, the expertise by vertical and the expertise for uh, payments. Uh, that is, is part of our winning formula. Obviously, we have to be competitive from a you know, pricing perspective, but because we own our own clearing and settlement engines, you know, if we want to win, we can win. Um, and we see uh, there are more opportunities out there. Um, the very, very largest. Um, it, it usually takes some time, uh, but we do see more opportunities out there uh, in overall consumer payments as well. Great. Thanks for that. And then just maybe just drilling down again a little bit more on this, you know, on the PayPal and, and Venmo integrations and how you're doing that and, you know, Obviously, you're you're partnering with PayPal to a certain degree here. I mean, you could talk about how unique that is potentially in the market versus competitors, and um, you, you know how how customers are receiving uh, integration of those wallets. Thanks very much. Sure. So, if, as you've heard me speak about, we're continuing to enhance uh, all of our existing loan management system integrations in our consumer payments area. Uh, we think that will give us great organic growth opportunities. We, we know that as we expand several of our product features and functionalities, that being our uh, digital wallets, that being Venmo PayPal, um, we know that the consumer would like, it doesn't mean that that will be the only way they want to pay, 
but we know that our consumers would like multiple ways to pay how they want to pay. Uh, and so we, we see goods consumer demand wanting to, those features, and we, we think that's going to lead to additional new organic opportunities, but also we think that will, as we've always talked about, our ability to continue to uh, convert uh, the, in a digital transformation, convert existing clients into more of a digital solution. Uh, we see really good demand there on that side of it as well, but that we're barely scratching the surface there as we're rolling out and enhancing some of those features and functionalities. Uh, as you can imagine, we have to get on everybody's technology roadmap and, and some of the things we're doing there. Um, we're still early in, in some of that, but yet we see really positive. We, we build these solutions because we know there's demand there and, and consumers want to do it. Competitively, um, if you think about it, it's just another payment feature and a pay, uh, payment option at checkout. Um, so another way to pay, um, and we think that ultimately what that drives is a high-quality in-consumer experience as we help them engage there, but also you get paid more. When you get paid more, that's a, that's a high-quality experience across the entire ecosystem. Sure, great. Thanks for that color, John. Our next question comes from the line of Charles Nathan with Stevens. Please proceed. Hi, good afternoon, and thank you for taking my question. So some of the more recent wins in auto, particularly Mercedes, would imply um, more of an upmarket skew from a credit standpoint. So with that in mind, I was wondering if you could comment on the overall exposure within auto across the, the credit spectrum, not looking for specifics around subprime, prime, et cetera, but just any, any high-level comments I think would be helpful given um, the uncertain macro environment. Yeah, thanks for the question. We um, and we, we're clearly trying to go up market. We have been for several years, and we're winning deals there now. We have a pipeline in the captive space. We have more enterprise reps on our team, and so um, we are seeing success there. We do process for lenders, you know, auto lenders across the entire spectrum, um, but we have focused more of our efforts on the enterprise accounts, which would naturally, like you said, lean toward more of a prime type of borrower. So that's where the focus has been. But but historically, we've sold accounts across that entire spectrum, so that so we do have a, a good mix there. But the, going forward, it will the mix will lean more toward prime, super prime. Got it. And um, as a follow-up, I know you broke out the, the gross profit impact from, um, from Blue Cow. But um, in terms of volume impact within business, could you give us a sense for the impact of the client um, acquisition as well as Blue Cow and how we should think about organic growth from a volume standpoint within that business, or normalized growth, rather? So Blue Cow is in the consumer side, so that when we broke that out, that's what contributed to the difference between the 15% reported and the 17% organic. So that, that's on the consumer side. And... Um, as we mentioned, there'll be about two million, two and a half million dollars of revenue in Q2 22 that we would pull out. So when you're thinking about consumer organic growth, that's how we factor that in. And then the, you know, we don't want to get too specific on the large account, but it would probably be, you know, at least a few points of growth that we lost as a result of that. And so you can see how that would impact the exit rate you know, going into Q2. Got it. Thank you for the caller. Appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, as a reminder, if you would like to ask a question, 
please press star 1 on your telephone keypad. And our next question comes from the line of James Fawcett with Morgan Stanley. Please proceed. Hey, good afternoon, gentlemen. Thanks for taking a few minutes here today. Um, had a, a couple of follow-up questions on topics that we've already addressed, um, at least on this call and in the press release. First, on B2B, um, obviously you talked about a large client rolling off, and it seems to be having a little bit bigger impact on the B2B segment than at least I would have guessed. Um, can you remind us what your customer concentration might look like, and, and how should we um, think about the, the risk of um, additional churn there? Yeah, thanks, James. It's pretty. We're pretty diversified there, so there's actually there's not really concentration risk. This just happened to be a unique situation where you know a private equity firm bought a few of these um, companies and put, basically brought them all together and consolidated processors. And so, like we said earlier, it was pretty unique in it. But it was you know several points of business payments growth that we lost as a result of that. But there's not significant concentration, and we're not aware of other losses like this. Got it, got it. Thank you. And then uh, on credit unions, you mentioned in the in the press release that you're seeing continued strength with credit unions. I think you, it was quoted up 20% or so. And you mentioned last quarter that credit union strength may be partially due to softness within some other verticals. Can you remind us a little bit like what like what the relationship is between verticals and, and strength in credit unions and give us an update on what you're seeing within credit unions and, and how we should think about momentum? Yeah, so I think that comment was related to some of the auto lending moving out of the traditional auto space and into credit unions, just credit unions having, you know, generally lower rates. They were benefiting from rates rising and that them being able to provide competitive financing. So I think that, you know, we still see that happening where they're, they're winning some auto financing business away from traditional lenders because of that dynamic. And Credit unions have generally been strong. I think even through the last you know, six weeks or so, as we've seen issues with regional banks, we've seen real strength in credit unions because of their member deposit base and because of the loyalty the members have to them, uh, which I would help with the originations for new loans to those members as well. So I think the biggest tie-in is probably between credit unions and auto. Got it, got it. That, that's really helpful, color. Thanks for that, gentlemen. Yep, absolutely. Our next question comes from the line of Mike Grandal with Northland Securities. Please proceed. Hey, guys. Thanks. And two things. Uh, one, any changes on the competitive front to call out or any increased intensity? And then secondly, you did mention M&A. Have you seen valuations come down in the private market where that's you know more interesting or a lot more interesting? Thanks. Yeah, so um, on the M&A side, obviously we we uh, we have a strong balance sheet. We continue to be very profitable, building our cash position, uh, positioning ourselves well uh, for multiple types of opportunities in the event that we we find them to be very strategic. On the valuation side, on the M&A side, uh, we have seen a few uh, entries back into the market, um, and. But we're also seeing multiples come down some. Um, we think we'll continue to see more opportunities as the year comes around. And we also think the private side will will obviously um, adjust to some of the public multiples as well. And, and, it, and we've said this before, we have a very high bar 
uh, we obviously understand where we are in the market, uh, and that makes it a very strategic high bar for us. But yet, uh, we do think there's we'll be well positioned for the exact right opportunities that we find in the marketplace. I think from a competitive standpoint, it's not really changed much. I mean, we see some similar names on the consumer side we've mentioned before. Uh, you know, as we enter new sub-verticals within B2B and the AP side, we may see new competition just because there's players already there in those sub-verticals. And really the way we'd win there is by gaining, you know, software relationships in the AP sub-verticals and then building the supplier network uh, within those verticals. But that, that's where we may see new competition is if we're entering new sub-verticals, particularly within B2B and AP. Got it. Got it. Thank you. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes the question and answer session. I'd like to turn the call back to John Morris for any closing remarks. Thank you. We are very pleased with our first quarter results. Uh, we remain focused on executing our strategy as we see uh, incredible amounts of organic growth opportunities, and we'll continue to invest in those. Um, we will continue to execute our operational efficiencies as we expand our sales pipelines and we'll continue to converting on our implementation pipelines as well. Look forward to speaking with you um, in the next coming weeks here. Thank you very much. This concludes today's conference. You may disconnect your lines at this time. Thank you for your participation. <laughs>